This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks so much for joining me for another installment of the Scars and Guitars podcast. I appreciate it. What you've tuned in to listen to is a conversation between myself and extreme metal guitar par excellence, Daniel Richardson from Pathology. The catalyst for the chat is due to Pathology's brand new album for 2021. It is titled The Everlasting Plague. It will see light of day on 19th of November via Nuclear Blast. In this chat, of course, we talk all about the album, guitar, guitar techniques, even amps, car accidents, and what it was like for Dan to move from Alaska to continental United States, amongst many other worthy subjects. I'm going to play a sample of the band's music, and then we'll jump right into the conversation. Here we go. working i can hear you brother how are you going oh man i'm doing okay how's it going oh it's not too bad not too bad at all mate nice vehicle by the way what are you in there oh this is a yeah i got a new brand new 2022 hyundai elantra yeah they do a yeah. pretty good job these days Hyundai, don't they yeah that's cool you can see it man yeah i dude it's the whole thing i got rear-ended a couple weeks ago and destroyed my other car so i just got this car uh what on saturday <laughs> yeah so <laughs> crazy stuff going on right now oh i bet there is mate yeah i mean like are you guys in a position at the moment where you can do any touring at all uh no no not really like we're we're trying to wait until um next year and then yeah. uh I, we're trying to get back uh hopefully to europe and we'll see about america you know it's all kind of up in the air right now though Yep, indeed it is. I mean, I don't know whether you've been following what's going on over here, mate, but we're in almost complete lockdown still. So in the state that I'm oh in, no, nobody can get in and nobody can get out. It's it's fucking ridiculous. And uh, I just hope these bastards are oh, voted wow. out the next time around, you know, the next election. But there's a lot of these hardcore lefties, mate, that love all of the, a lot of this totalitarian shit at the moment. I, I don't even know how we've arrived at this point, but here we are. Right. Wow, man. So, dude, okay, so I'm a little misinformed, but where are you at exactly right now? So in, in Australia, in Queensland, so in the yeah. uh, northeastern state, so in the tropical state, but a bit like Florida, I suppose, if you were going to compare <laughs> it to anywhere. Um, okay, nice and humid, huh? Yeah. yeah, it's piercing down with rain at the moment. We're in spring, obviously, yeah. being on the opposite side of the world, um, which is quite right. nice, but the, the problem in this part of the world is, mate, we tend to get, you know, we get all of our monthly every all of our monthly rainfall in three days. Holy shit! Wow. <laughs> so, so that's what's happening. <laughs> that's at, literally, that's what's happening at the moment. Um, but it's wow. it's people have just got to stop building in places where rivers overflow and creek beds extend for kilometres. You know this sort of thing, and oh, just wow. have a bit yeah, of common yeah. sense with stuff. You know, 
Um, That's funny. Exact opposite of California. I'm in San Diego and it, it never rains here. We had a little bit like uh, uh, last week, I think, but now it's, we haven't seen rain in almost a year. <laughs> So that's funny. San Diego, yeah. I've been to San Diego and it's probably the only other city in the world that reminds me of Sydney because of the gum trees. Oh, around. sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the gum trees. It was very weird when I was over there. I felt like I was in a place called Lane Cove National Park, which is a big national park in Sydney. And it was, uh, um, yeah, it's a weird experience sometimes when you think you're in somewhere else when you're somewhere else. <laughs> I have that as on tour. Yeah, we'll be in a different city like, you know, could be anywhere and we're just like uh wow yeah it looks like home but we're not we're on the other side of the planet how strange you know yeah you know? indeed, indeed. <laughs> hey look I'm, I'm enjoying your album by the way um the everlasting plague um nice i love your guitar playing i, I gotta say i love that that tight technical but yet melodic and there's some emotion in there too i can sense i mean it's not all just brutality with you you know there's some what there's, there's a bit of the jk lee you know i call it the jk lee in there you know so i'll ask you up top about about your guitar playing um were, were there any techniques that you deployed this time around uh on the everlasting plague that were new for you um just kind of some stuff in my arsenal that i hadn't got a chance to use i would say you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of that's like string skipping stuff and uh, just kind of more that melodic stuff. It really made us. It got to come to the surface fun kind of coming up with it. Yeah. So that's cool that you noticed that, man. I really appreciate you saying that and all hmm. that stuff. It's, it's completely unintentional. I'm not setting out to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to write some emotional, you know, like metal or some shit, you know, dude, it's just, it just kind of happened, which is weird. You know, it's like, hmm. you never know when you go to like, start writing something or if like, like if you're an artist, like if you're drawing something or whatever, often how you start is not the end result. It kind of just like, like, Whoa, where did that come from? It's kind of weird, you know? Hmm. So on the songwriting front, how does it work? You, you get, you gather some riffs and some song ideas and you bring them to Dave and you, you two just sort it out. Yeah, yeah. Like we kind of start uh, at the rehearsal uh, spot and honestly, Dave's garage, you know, like we, we start there instead of having a band practice when it's writing time, we'll just start riffing uh, guitars out. And then Dave's got the setup on his computer. So we'll record the sections and stuff like that. And it kind of starts there. That's kind of like your rough outline, you know, and then um, either like Dave will put it together and kind of arrange those riffs to kind of get like a, a, you know, a small structure. And then I get my hands on it at home and then I can be like, okay, what can I really hear in my head now? And then I'll like kind of piece it, like rearrange it and not really rearrange it so much, but like just more to it, you know, and the layers and solos and that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Look, I understand you had a week to record. I mean, an album, if that's wrong, tell me. But, I mean, an, an album that's yeah, it's this technical and full on, I, that would have been a very demanding physical experience. Oh, man, that's funny that you, you say that. Yeah, with this band, Pathology, just working with Dave and uh, Zach and all, all the other guys, I've never experienced anything like it. My other bands, dude, I mean, like we had an album that took three years to complete. And here we are, we're going in the studio, knocking it out in a week. I, but it just flowed, you know, like it, I don't know. I can tell you exactly the process. Like we, we started with Dave on drums. He knocked out all the drums first day. Second day, it's rhythm guitar. So I tried to knock out, like knocked out all that. 
And then the next day I finish it out with leads. That's about half a day. Ricky starts bass and uh, finishes it out the next day. And then Obi, you know, adds the vocals and that's it. We got an album. That's how it went. Yeah. Killer stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, was there pre-production? Did you go through weeks of pre-production at all? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. Like what I'm talking about, like taking the riffs home and like coming up with layers that that's what that is. Yeah. We're just doing Yeah, like I use Reaper, you know, Dave uses logic and we just shitty guitar tone dude. And we just kind of put it together over some fake drums, you know, and that's kind of how it starts. And then, you know, we go do the real thing. So. Yeah. Do, do you know what, I mean, obviously you, you, you're a gore infused band, but Obi's lyrics. So they, is that something that you guys all contribute to? No, it's a hundred percent Obi. Actually, that's all him. And uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, a little gore obsessed. I'd say, which is cool. <laughs> oh, you know, it, it takes us away from all the bullshit that's going on in this world at the moment. That's for sure. You know, it's it's a bit of oh, uh, existentialism. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting times that we live in. Uh, it really is. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. How did you guys, I know the band's gone through some incarnations. There's, there's been um, a few members sort of come and go, but I mean, the, the, the outfit is, as it is at the moment, it's kind of like a, I'm not going to call you a super group, but you've all been there and done it. There's no doubt about that. So how did you guys all meet? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, we're all uh, experienced, experienced group. Um, I can tell you how it came about with me and Dave, man. Like it started there out of the blue. Like I played guitar for uh, condemned, uh, as well, you know, mm-hmm. and I was doing stuff with condemned. I think we just did our first European tour together. So I was putting stuff out on social media and, and my theory, I never asked Dave this, but my theory is he probably saw that and, uh, out working kind of like I am right now. <laughs> and Dave just fucking, <laughs> he hits me up out of the blue. You know what I mean? And he just on Facebook messenger. And yeah. I was a huge pathology fan and it, I wasn't expecting that, you know, and I was, I, dude, I was so nervous, man. I like opened my phone. I was like, Dave Astor. It's like, what is this? <laughs> and he's like, Hey, I'm interested in a guitar player. And I'm dude, I'm like shaking, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, seriously. And uh, nice. I wrote him back right away. Yeah. And I, I, I learned uh, media consumption. I had to figure it out by ear do a video like that night because i wasn't fucking around i was like no dude I, I gotta do this like right now and send it to him the next day he's like yeah sounds good and then we met up later that week and that's where it started and ricky i knew ricky forever and i was like dude i know the guy but i hadn't talked to him in a long time and i was like if i can get a hold of him he's perfect blue i hit him up you know like dave worked with obi like 10 years ago they did tours together and stuff like that so it just kind of all fell into place, you know, once it started. So then here we are. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And look, you mentioned Condemned there, yeah. but look, you've been you've been playing extreme metal for, for years. So apart from Condemned, can you tell me the other bands that you've been playing? Um, yeah, I mean, not a, not a lot, man. I mean, my first one, uh, get this, I used to live in, like, okay, a little backstory on me. I'm from Alaska. I was born and raised way yeah, up there, you I know saw what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, so that is true. And when I was 18, I moved to Nebraska. So I went from Hunts Glaciers to that corn fields, you know. And uh, my first band there was uh, Diesel Breath. Yeah, and that was um, a fun project. But that actually got me into Fury and Aids. And that was like a more like technical 
metalcore kind of band you know like mm-hmm. we love darkest hour kill switch and cage on earth like that kind of stuff and uh yeah. that that's what brought me out here to california and we kept fury going for a few years out here and uh then i joined lord of war and eventually that led to condemned and to pathology so yeah it's, it's i guess it has been a long road <laughs> a lot nice. yeah. a lot of history yeah yeah what, what got you started on the guitar though what, who were the guitarists that really inspired you to pick up the instrument oh man that's a good question dude like i was young i was young dude so metallica big time yeah um yeah like they started most people i was 10 years old when i first heard metallica and that i was a metalhead ever since you know and um my, i remember the first thing i learned on guitar though as silly as this is uh was nirvana come as you are that was the first yeah, little yeah. intro riff i learned and from there i just i dude it took me like two months to like learn how to play that it was like oh my god you know and i just kept it going man it just it just seemed like the right thing to do and then god who did i love in high school dude like i loved like corn and slipknot and you know like that was my stuff back in high school which is funny <laughs> you know sepultura i guess and Oh, mm. uh, who else, man? Slayer, but yeah, yeah. yeah the gateway bands, the gateway bands, exactly. Those are everybody starts with those, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you get? Did you end up going via Morbid Angel and uh, Death and those sort of groups as well? Not really, to be honest with you, man. I never really got into those guys. Yeah. Um, more like i think when i moved out of alaska that that's the thing is do my my purse uh like growing up in alaska i was more sheltered i think Hmm. and so when i moved out of alaska that opened my eyes up to a whole world i didn't really know about and so i kind of had a weird start with music i think in that aspect but i started you know when i I started like opening my eyes to that kind of stuff. It was more like the Slayer and Sepultura. And I, I remember I had a drummer, dude, like we would jam Slayer covers all the time. And that was nice. super challenging, you know, like as a young guitarist, that was really hard and um, it was fun, you know? So we did that a lot. And, uh, and then when the metal core scene hit, dude, I was all about that shit, dude. That's when like Azalea dying and um, mm. on earth, the darkest hour is my favorite band by far, dude. Like, in hands of a status nation that's still like such a good album dude yeah. um so yeah that's that's kind of my more roots but yeah like bands like death and morbid angel i never really got into them to be honest it wasn't really my thing yeah check it out check out trey's playing oh, especially on the album formulas fatal to the flesh by morbid angel uh it's very yeah, different to your yeah. playing of course it's he's more like Jimi hendrix death metal via Jimi hendrix trey that's um, cool yeah that's yeah cool. it's is very very uh, stream of consciousness. It sounds like as though he doesn't know what he's doing at times, but it's it's completely the opposite. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. He just fucks everything up yeah. on purpose. Yeah, you know? that's that's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, um, yeah. What about gear this time around? Do can you talk about the guitar that you decided to use? I think I think I've seen the guitar playthroughs you do. I love the fact that you've done them. But um, is that the same guitar? I don't know what guitar yeah. it was you used. Sorry, I didn't check the headstock. So what was the guitar there? And is that the guitar you used on the on the album? Absolutely, yeah, Kiesel all the way. They're local here in uh, San Diego. Uh, I have another one in the works. Kiesel only does custom guitars, so like you can't. I mean, you can like order stuff but like they're not mass producing anything it's Mm. all different every single guitar is different 
And uh, so I have two by Kiesel and I have a third seven string in the works. I've been waiting fucking six months for it, dude. Wow. I started the order in June and it's still not done. So I'm hoping it's done next month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, great wow. company though, man. I mean, they're just top notch. So. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. And your live setup, what's your, do you use an amp on stage? I mean, obviously that's because some people don't, I saw Lucas Mann and, and he didn't. So, um, are you yeah, using an amp yeah. on stage? And, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely am. I have the Axe effects. I'm using the Axe effects too right now. And, uh, I have that into, you know, just a 12 cab, um, Madison, a Madison cab, dude. Like, can you believe that? I used to be Mesa boogie all the way, you know? Yeah. Dave, Dave had a, a Madison cab in the garage and I was like, dude, let me, let me try that. You know, I didn't have mine. It was too big. And I love the sound of it. I sold my Mesa like a week later. I was like, dude, not, not, you know what I mean? I was just like, Mesa. It's meant to happen. Yeah. 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 I was like, dude, Madison all the way, all the way. And uh, so I'm running that we're miking that. And I like that because I can't rely, we don't have our own sound guy yet, at least on tour. And I can't rely on the house sound guy to have good enough sound to not have a cab on stage. Maybe uh -huh. if we had a professional working with us, that would make the difference, you know, cause I can trust him. But if you got the house guy, you never know what you're going to get. So hopefully we can change that <laughs> in the future. But, That's yeah. so true, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's some are better than others. So. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I think it's it's also about the way you feel the music too. So I've I'm a bassist and also play mm. guitar, but mainly bass. And um, the few times where I've played without and uh, without a cab on stage, I haven't been able to feel the music as well, and I haven't played as well. I've got to say. Yeah, I agree with that, man. One hundred percent. Like you got to be able to feel it. Like I like I I don't like low stage volume either. I like to turn it up. Yeah. You know, and that'll piss some of the sound guys off. But it's like for what you just said, it's like, dude. I can't rely on your monitors being good. You know, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, but either way, I need that sound behind me. I need that vibrating, like, yeah. you know, my, me as a person, so I can really get into it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, just yeah. with the band's artwork as well, do you have a lot of say over what goes on with um, the album cover and uh, merch ideas, that sort of thing? Um. It, Parr has been doing uh, these pathology albums for a long time. He's done most of them. And uh, I think this time around, we didn't have to say much. Like, I think we're just like, yeah, we want the, you know, just post-apocalyptic. And we want the doctor maybe to be like one of the zombies. And he just ran with it. I mean, we didn't have to tell him much. And then he had a rough sketch for us a couple of weeks after that. You know, we, that, we told him what we wanted. And we loved it. I mean, it's, it was basically like what it is now, but just the sketch, you know, and then he filled it in with the color and the just more detail. And, and I think he nailed it. It looks really cool. And I like how the, the black and red is kind of the primary color scheme of this. That, that wasn't intentional. It just kind of you know, oh, okay. worked out that way. So, yeah, yeah. I, but I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed on your Facebook that you're friends with Mark Cooper, who, who did my, um, Facebook, my mm. Facebook, my podcast artwork originally. Um, yeah, he does some pretty killer stuff too. I know he does nice. uh, Lucas's stuff in um, Rings of Satin as well. So, yeah. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. We, it's, yeah, there's more to the story. Like, we weren't going to go with Para for this album. We had another guy, dude. Like, you did, like, oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but he's done, like, job for a cowboy and all this other stuff like really like 
crazy realistic looking art. And I think his style just didn't match what we were looking for. I, I don't know what was going on with him, but we didn't, we weren't happy with it. And that's why we're like, no, we need to hit up par. We need to keep it consistent. And that's kind of yeah. how that came to be. So, yeah. Yeah. He can be your Derek Riggs from Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, and I, I told Dave that originally I was like, oh, I don't know if we should go with another artist, but we wanted to try something new, you know, a new record label, new artists. We're like, you know, maybe let's give him a try. This guy's amazing. And it yeah. just didn't, didn't work out. So, you know, we went back to par and, and it was awesome. You know, we nailed it. So it's mm. pretty cool. Yeah. I'll make this my last question for you. Uh, you. You mentioned Nuclear Blast there. I think it's awesome that you guys have found, found Nuclear Blast and that they've found you guys. Can you tell me how that relationship came about? Mm, yeah. Sorry. Um, Dave's been bugging them for years, man. <laughs> That's how that happened. <laughs> no, for real. Like Dave's been for like 10 years. I think he's been asking uh, to be a nu- on nuclear blast and they finally gave in. So persistence, that's Eyes the key off. to success. Yeah. But I mean, it's more than that, you know, but he's just, he never went off the radar. You know, I think he, he was letting them know, but like, I'm interested. The band is doing this and doing this, even during the downtimes, you know, the highs and lows and things were slowly coming back with reborn to kill. And I think the timing was good. And, uh, and we got it and we couldn't be happier. So. Yeah, it's great. Well, it just gives you the reach into people like myself in Australia. And, and of course you're probably doing interviews with people right across the globe. And, it, and oh, it, yeah. it gives you guys fair recognition for, for your experience and also the killer music that you're writing. No, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. It's, it's good to be, I just wish things were different, man. The only, the only thing I wish was different was this whole COVID situation and touring. Cause like not touring to support the album release, that sucks. <laughs> it totally sucks. I wish we could, especially on Nuclear Blast, right? It's our first album on Nuclear Blast. So we can't even tour on it. Yeah. Like, no. ah, what irony. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But hopefully next year we'll be able to make up for that and everybody will, you know, will come to the shows and we'll have some good times. So, yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed it happens, mate. Like to see you in Australia yeah. too, if that can ever be arranged. Oh, man. I've never been. I've, I, I did a tour of my old band, uh, Lord of War with uh, Boris the Blade and uh, mm. really nice guys. Yeah, and that, that was a lot of fun. We, we talked about Australia a lot. And it sounds fun. It sounds different though, like doing shows out there. It sounds like you're not doing consistent shows for 30 days or something like that, right? Like no, you have God, to no. like, no. no, you can't. Yeah, you got to take a plane to each city or something like that. Or, Well, I think there's more people in the county of Los Angeles than there are in all of Australia. So yeah, that's you, wild. No, wild. Yeah, you've got um, you've only really got five or five, maybe six major metropolitan centres, and it's not economically viable to play in the regional places unless unless you're right. you know unless you like Kiss is playing in a town called Townsville, which has probably okay. got about a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people in it, that sort of thing, and that's considered a small town for you guys. But Kiss are a huge band in Australia, so you know that's oh. a bit different. That scenario, but Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, they're the main ones, you know, they're, they're really yeah. all anybody ever sort of comes and plays. But uh, so it's got to be worth your while. And usually, as you probably know this, mate, but usually Japan and Australia get lumped together on the tours as well. Yeah, yeah that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, I would imagine like growing up in Australia would be, I mean, it's different, but somewhat similar to Alaska, just in uh, Alaska is kind of cut off, you know, like it's it's isolated, you know. And, um, yeah, same thing up there. Like you're not, nobody's touring in Alaska. Alaska is huge, but mm. your major city is pretty much Anchorage, you know, and you're, I don't know. So I, I could see kind of 
similarities, you know, but yeah, hopefully we can get out there, man. That, that really would, for me, it would be a, a dream come true. I, I really like that. So yeah, you, you, it's very, it's fairly, I've been to America a couple of times. It's the, like 80% of it is virtually exactly the same as the U S Australia and in the U S about 80%, but the 20% that's different is really different. That's the way I like cool. it. And there's just, yeah. there's some things where you'll be like, what the hell's going on there with that? I noticed with my friends from the U S when they come out. So I went to uni with a lot of people from the U S and um, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So I sort of got familiar with what was different based on their feedback and yeah. uh same thing with the states. Uh, it's just the scale of things. As the states is like a hundred times bigger than what we've got here. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, it's it's weird when we're even like in Europe, and then we come back home, and it's weird just because you're immediately bombarded by just you know um, consumerism. Like you're, it's just like fast food and Walmart, and just like whoa, yeah. just like it's weird when you step out for a minute and come back. You're like, America is kind of a strange place. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, coming from Alaska and it being like Australia, you'll get it. Like when you probably moved to California, yeah, you, yeah. did you feel that sense of overwhelm? Because I felt that when I went to the States. Yeah, yeah. It trips you out at first, man. It's um, especially like, you know, because I, I was living in Omaha, which is, you know, that kind of got me warmed up, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge city, but it's still a pretty good size. And then coming here was just completely different. Um, but it was a lot of fun though, you know, and I was, I was still pretty wild when we were drinking and partying like crazy and <laughs> living the dream, man. I was living in California. I made it. Yeah. I was like, Holy shit. I'm doing music. And, and, um, now I'm all old and serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> old and serious dude. And, and, but at least we have nuclear blast and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we can take that seriousness to the next level. That's, that's the goal. So. Yeah, well, no, you're doing it, mate. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I'll end it by saying congratulations on just being able to perform extreme and heavy metal and make a career out of it because very few people can, but you're doing it. Man, I appreciate it, man. It's um, it's like anything that you want to do, man, you know, like whatever it is, like you can do it. It's just you've got to put in years of work. Just yeah. like literally when they're like, don't give up. I mean, yeah, that's true to an extent, you know, just like, dude, it's just been, a. I mean, I've been doing this shit since, I would say 18. Like that's when I really wanted to do music. I think seriously, when I got mm-hmm. it stuck in my head, I never let it go. And now I'm 38. Holy shit. And we're just now getting somewhere. Yeah. So. Usually that's how long it takes though, isn't it? These days it's because yeah, it, labels don't pick up bands when you're like 19 and 20. It doesn't happen. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a few exceptions. I mean, yeah, I guess it just kind of proves if you're in it for the long haul or not, you know, if anything. So, yeah, yeah, you got to be a true believer. There's no doubt. And we're willing to put up with all of the shit and the, the, you know, the $2 meals and all of that sort of stuff and just to get by. But, but you did it, man. You stuck it out and you, you're doing it and you've got to kill a band and you're a great guitarist. And long may you continue to do what you're doing. No, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep it going. So, yeah, look forward to the next release. This is a great one, but I just look forward to I, I always say this. As soon as I've got a release I like like this one, I always think, man, where are they going to take this one next? Mm, yeah, me too. <laughs> I've been thinking about that a lot because I've been I've been doing a lot more guitar. I've been digging in a, a lot more with like learning uh theory and all that kind of stuff. So this next album, and I'm getting the seven string, like because yeah. I didn't have that on the last one. I think we can get really like uh weird with it so it should be cool i'm, I'm excited hey the only thing is i'd love to, i'd love to see you do more guitar instructionals and playthroughs 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was doing, man. Like I, dude, I was totally like, you know, in the zone and then this car accident happened. Um, mm. God, what was that? A couple of, um, this is the third week, I think. And that flipped every, that just fucked me up. Everything is upside down, man. And I just got into this car and, uh, hopefully the routine, but I can't even get back. I'm, I barely even played guitar since this happened. Cause I haven't had time. And that's so frustrating. Like when you're like really dialed in, you know what I mean? And then something like that happens, you know, I, I was just lucky I didn't get hurt. Nobody got hurt. You yeah. know, it was, it was just an accident on the freeway. I was stuck in traffic and this guy from behind just rear-ended you. you know, yeah. Me from, yeah. Rear-ended out of the blue, man. He must've hit me like 50 miles an hour and it pushed me into the car in front of me, smashed the whole front end of the car and the back end was destroyed. And, uh, yeah, could have been worse though. I mean, at least nobody was in the hospital, but, um, what sort of car were you in when, when the accident happened? Uh, I had a, a Toyota Corolla, uh, 2021 oh, wow. hybrid. I mean, it was a cool little car, you know, and it was, but I blacked it out, dude, you know, like all the logos and windows and tires. And now I have mm. to start all over and, you know, but it's cool. It, it shit happens, man. At least, you know, it, but you least, still got uh, your health. That's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it could have been way more fucked up. It was, it was my first experience with a car accident that bad. And it was freaky. It was definitely freaky. So be careful out there. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Never know. Definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, well, mate, hopefully we have a chat in the next album cycle. But I'd look forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Another call, another interview was coming through right at the end there, so we had to wind things up fairly quickly. But that was a conversation with Daniel Richardson from Pathology. Appreciate you tuning in to listen to that chat, because if you enjoyed it, there are plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com, and even on my YouTube channel, I am easily found, Scars and Guitars Podcast, if you want to check out what I do at YouTube. If you could like, subscribe, share, and all that bullshit, I'd appreciate it. Don't like asking, but if I don't ask, you don't know. And leave a comment if it's on socials, if you've picked this up via socials as well. It all helps. Leave a nice comment, though. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. <laughs>